You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Identify who is the Antichrist in Scripture. So the Antichrist is generally understood by many to be an individual that will assume a position of power in Jerusalem in somewhat would call a prophecy of, a fu- of the future. It is believed by many that this Antichrist will rule for seven years contrary to the will of God and he will rule from Jerusalem. But ultimately the individual will be driven out allowing the true Jesus to become the ruler. Now let us be clear this understanding is not true. This is a prophecy uh, that is a misconception and a delusion put forward by the true Antichrist. So who is the true Antichrist? That is our subject. It will be to identify from two sources. Firstly, the holy inspired word of God, the Bible, and in addition to that, we will look at some true historical facts. The two combined giving us the true identification of the Antichrist and the consequences for those that follow it. But one might ask, does it really matter if prophecy is not interpreted correctly? Well, in the time of the ministry of the Lord Jesus, in the Gospel of Matthew, It is recorded in chapter 24 that Jesus warned the Jews about the coming invasion of the Romans on Jerusalem. And just reading from Matthew 24, this is what was uh, penned. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whosoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him that is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. The Jews that lived at that time, this was a very important prophecy because in AD 70, the Roman army surrounded Jerusalem and the Jews that understood the words of Jesus fled from the city and were saved. Those who did not correctly understand the prophecy stayed in the city to be trapped by the Roman army and died in the siege that followed. Life or death is quite literally the consequences of correctly or incorrectly interpreting prophecy. So with the intent to identify the Antichrist from scripture, who or what it is, let us start by looking at the Bible and what that teaches us. We're going to start in the book of Daniel, specifically Daniel chapter 2. This places us in history about 560 BC, at a time when the nation of Judah had been brought into captivity by the Babylonian army. The book of Daniel was penned by Daniel himself, but inspired by God. Daniel was one of God's prophets that would bring warnings 
interpretations and messages from God. <coughs> so let us start in Daniel chapter 2. For here we read of the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, and an image that he dreams of. The prophecy of this chapter lays the framework of the history of man from, from Daniel's time up to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. In this account, the Babylonian king is shown an image made up of four metals. So reading from Daniel chapter 2, from verse 31, it says, O thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image, this great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image, the image's head was of fine gold, the breasts and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, and his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them in pieces. These metals indicated four world empires that would arise in the course of man's history from the time of Daniel onwards. The image represented how man saw the empire in strength of each of the metals. Then the, Dan the prophet Daniel interpreted the vision for the king. King Nebuchadnezzar was told, Thou art the head of gold, relating to the head of the image of the Babylonian Empire. After that, the Medo-Persian Empire, that corresponded to the breasts and arms of the silver of the image. Then followed the Grecian Empire, which related to the belly and the thighs of bronze. The fourth empire to arise was the Roman Empire, corresponding to the two legs of iron on the image. Through the, this vision of the image, God revealed the four world empires that ruled over Israel, that would arise before the kingdom of God would be set up on earth. The last part of the image, the feet and its toes, were made of iron and clay, which was a representation of uh, countries which had some form of Roman influence that would continue alongside other nations until the return of the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus symbolically represented by the stone when the kings of men will be destroyed and replaced by God's kingdom on earth. So the feet of the image are symbolic of nations today, some strong nations of iron and some weaker nations of clay. What is clear is that the nations will have some form of Roman control. Now let us move to Daniel chapter 7. And this chapter describes a dream that Daniel had in which he sees four beasts. Reading from Daniel chapter 7 verse 3. And the four beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings of thereof were plucked 
and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man. And a man's heart was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second, like a bear. And it raised itself up on one side and had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they, they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I beheld, and lo, another, like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and beheld a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces, and stamped, stampeded the, the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. This vision we see of the four beasts as God sees the kingdoms of man. Importantly, the dream that we read of in Daniel chapter 2 and this one in chapter 7 are not independent of each other. They are showing the same world empires just through different imagery. The first beast was like a lion, corresponds to the head of Nebuchadnezzar's image, representing the Babylonian Empire. The next, the bear, related to the arms of the image, the Medo-Persian Empire. Of, um, sorry. The third, a beast which was like a leopard, which corresponded to the belly and thighs of the image, a symbol of the Grecian Empire, ruled by Alexander the Great and his four generals. And then we come to the fourth beast, described as terrible and dreadful, exceedingly strong, indicating the great power of the Roman Empire. But further in chapter 7, in verse 19, additional details are given of this fourth beast. That the beast would have teeth of iron claws, sorry, teeth of iron and claws of bronze indicating the large geographical area this beast would dominate. The image from the vision of Nebuchadnezzar linked the iron to Rome and bronze to the uh, Greek empire. Thus, this fourth beast would incorporate the authority and dominion of both empires. Also on this beast were ten horns, representing ten kingdoms, three of which fell, verse, 23, uh, verse 20 of that chapter and a little horn rose up then of the little horn verse 20 even that horn had eyes and a mouth that spake great um, very great things and I beheld and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them the saints being the true followers of God to be clear Daniel chapters 2 and 7 are the foundation of the understanding of the Antichrist and the book of Revelation. Without the book of Daniel, the meaning and the symbolism of Revelation cannot be deciphered. So let us now turn to the book of Revelation. The last book of the Bible, 
that takes us historically from the time when John lived during the period of the Roman Empire until the establishment of God's kingdom and the complete destruction of sin from the world. The revelation of Jesus Christ given by an angel of God to John. The same John that penned the gospel and three epistles or letters. The opening verse of chapter 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things must, that, which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. From this verse, in the opening chapter of the Revelation, it is revealed to us of the events from the time that John lived. History would be laid out in that book and it would be signified. That is, the accounts of this book are symbolic. So not all should be considered literally. This is the important fact that symbology plays a large part in the book of Revelation. So now we turn to Revelation chapter 12. Bearing in mind the symbols that we have considered in the two chapters of the book of Daniel, this chapter has been misinterpreted as a chapter of a fallen angel. Other false interpretations have seen this as a war in heaven. The true interpretation is of a war that took place on earth. The heavens are the earthly powers of the day, the Roman emperors. The, first, uh, the very first description in Revelation 12 is of a woman in heaven, clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. Clearly, not to be taken literally, but a symbol. But a symbol of what? Women of the Bible are sometimes used to represent religious uh, systems. If you look back in history, in, in 320 AD, we find the historical event that is described in Revelation chapter 12. The Roman Empire of that time was ruled by the pagan emperors, but a great uh, leader arose named Constantine. The woman at the beginning of this chapter was a symbol of the Christian religious system. And it was the Emperor Constantine who converted the Roman Empire to Christianity. The pagan military power of the empire strongly resisted Constantine. The great red dragon of this chapter representing pagan Rome fought against Michael and his angels. Michael, a symbol of Constantine. Ultimately, Constantine overcame the pagan forces and the entire Roman Empire converted to Christianity. The Roman Empire, under the control of Constantine, not only took on the strength of Rome, but it took on a facade of Christianity. 
but strove to abandon the beliefs of the true followers of God, to form a Christianity that was based on false doctrine, the beginning of the Holy Roman Empire. Importantly, the fourth beast of Daniel chapter 7 was not dead. It just attained another form, that of a second dragon. The transformation of the beast would continue through Constantine and subsequent emperors. History tells us that Constantine would move east to the region known today as Turkey. And there he would rename a city called Byzantium to Constantinople. Now there were two, now two major cities under the power of the fourth beast of Daniel chapter 7. One being Rome and the other Constantinople. The image that the king of Babylon dreamed of in Daniel chapter 2 now takes on further meaning as the legs of the image symbolically stand in Constantinople and Rome. Constantinople, Constantinople would be the Roman Empire's uh, military headquarters, while the city of Rome would be the religious center. <coughs> so now turning to Revelation chapter 13, because in this book, at this book, uh, chapter, sorry, from verse 1, it reads, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. And upon his head were ten crowns, upon his heads, of the, upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, and his seat and great authority. The beasts of Revelation chapter 13, the beasts of the sea that we just read of, um, the beasts of the earth, which was later on in the chapter, and the image of the beast, which is also shown in this chapter, are purely developments of the Roman Empire. From one that was just controlled through the Mediterranean areas, which was the beast of the sea, to one that could control central Europe, which was the beast of the earth. This central earth, which today is known to be part of the European community. And then the image of the beast is the papacy, the Pope of today. So now to turn to some historical facts. Constantine assumed sole control of the empire in AD 324. And AD 325... Constantine assembled religious delegates to the city of Nicaea, as depicted in the picture we see here. The purpose of what was known as the Council of Nicaea was to discuss the matters of the church. This included the organizational structure of the church, the standards of the clergy, and the date of the celebration of Easter, another festival that came from pagan worship to rival the remembrance of the Passover. But the main discussion points of the council was of the Lord Jesus, specifically to determine whether in the time of his ministry, 
Did Jesus actually come in the flesh? Or was he of the same substance as God the Father? Their conclusion, which, form, which was formulated into the Nicene Creed, was the de declaration that Jesus was indeed God. The declaration stated, firstly, one Lord Jesus, the only begotten Son of, of, Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, meaning Jesus pre-existed before his birth. Scripture does not back this up, and this declaration should be rejected. Secondly, the creed also stated, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Consubstantial meaning the same substance. They believe that Jesus was God. This also is a false statement. The Bible is clear. Jesus was truly a man born of a woman, of the nature of man. Jesus is not God. God cannot sin. But the, but the record of Jesus in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 records, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus could commit sin, although he never did. And thirdly, Jesus is incarnate of the Virgin Mary. Incarnate meaning embody or represents a spirit in human form. And again, scripture does not back this up. This is a declaration that should be also rejected. A further declaration of the church's beliefs and used by the Christian churches since the 6th century was that of the Athanasian Creed. This declaration included, whosoever will be saved before all things is necessary to behold the Catholic faith. Also, the Father eternal, the Son eternal, and the Holy Spirit eternal. And so further to this, that the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. And yet they are not three gods, but one God. The Athanasian Creed can be seen as the basis of the understanding of what is known to be the Trinitarian churches. Their belief is that Jesus is not come in the flesh and refer to him often as God the Son. Once again, a declaration not backed up by scripture and one that should be rejected. The religious system that was, that was chiefly to take up this Trinitarian view was that of the Holy Roman Empire, becoming the Catholic Church in Western Europe and the Eastern Orthodox Church in what became Eastern, the Eastern part of Europe. The Catholic Church believed both the Nicene and Athanasian creeds to be true and is part of their doctrine.
So the next question we have is who is the Antichrist? We now reach a very important point. What does scripture say about the Antichrist? The only actual occurrence of the word Antichrist in the Bible is found in the letters of John. In 1 John chapter 4, starting from verse 2, it reads, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist. Also in the second letter of John, verse 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an Antichrist. According to the inspired words of John, everyone who does not acknowledge that Jesus came in the flesh that is susceptible to sin is part of the Antichrist. Okay. History reveals that the Protestant reformers of the 16th century believed that the Catholic Church led by the papacy, had brought about hypostasy and identified the Catholic Church as the Antichrist. The Protestant churches looked to distance themselves from the Catholics. The response of the Catholics was firstly to persecute the Protestants. An example of this was the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre, which was widespread a slaughter of French Protestants by Catholics beginning on the 24th of August, 1572, and lasting two months. And a second response of the Catholic Church came through a Jesuit named Francisco Ribera. He wrote of a future antichrist. The Jesuits were and are a Roman Catholic order of priests. The, the order was zealous in opposing Protestant Reformation. For those of you that were here last week, in the book of Daniel chapter 9, we saw that the true interpretation of the 70-week prophecy pointed to being at the time of the ministry of the Lord Jesus. The Jesuit, Francisco Robbery, claimed that the true interpretation of the 70-week prophecy in Daniel chapter 9 was a message of an antichrist that would rule on the earth for seven years prior to the return of the Lord Jesus. This delusion was propagated throughout the Catholic Church faith and ultimately was used to convince other churches that the Catholic Church was not the true antichrist. This, what is termed the future antichrist, is the fallacy that is widely understood today. This is not just the message of the Catholics, but the Protestant churches that now align themselves with this false teaching. Many Christians are looking to the return of an individual, an antichrist, that there will appear seven years before the return of the Lord Jesus. The antichrist, they say, will be a false prophet that will appear to be like Jesus. The sadness of this 
It's just as the Jews rejected Jesus in the first ministry, so will Christians be adversaries at the return of the Lord Jesus. The Antichrist is not an individual, but it's those that believe that Jesus did come in the flesh in his first uh, did not come in the flesh in his first ministry. The Trinitarian religious system, headed by the Catholic Church and the other churches that follow the Trinitarian belief, alongside with other members of their congregation, who have been deluded by the false teaching. So the final chapter I would like us to briefly look at is Revelation chapter 17 and Revelation chapter 19. Because in Revelation chapter 17, which is at the end of the time of prophecy, here we read of a harlot sitting upon a beast which had seven heads and ten horns. The harlot depicted in this picture is part of the Antichrist. Reading from verse 4 of chapter 17. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls having a golden cup in, in her hand full of abominations and fil filthiness of her fornication. And upon her head was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. The harlot riding the beast, the mother of harlots, is the Catholic Church, headed by the Pope. Babylon the Great is the new Babylon, preaching false doctrine, and that is wrong. And the harlots, the other Trinita Trinitarian churches that had taken on the beliefs of the, of the Catholic Church, which was originally instigated by the Council of Nicaea that all led, <laughs> led all those years back at the time of Constantine. And finally, Revelation chapter 19. In verse 11, we read of the Lord Jesus coming on a white horse. And then from verse 12, And his eyes were as flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And his, he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. <clears throat> and his name is called the Word of God. This is the description of the Lord Jesus returning to war with the armies of the beast system. Sadly, the, uh, the Trinitarian churches believe that the man on the white horse is the Antichrist. So we come back to the question that we asked at the beginning. Does it really matter if prophecy is not interpreted correctly? Yes, it does matter. For at the return of the Lord Jesus, who will be on the Lord's side and who will be part of the Antichrist? And so to summarize what we've considered, Daniel chapter 2 and 7, the image of the empires and of the four beasts. Revelation 12 and 13, the rise of Constantine and the Holy Roman Empire. 
we've looked at the historical events of the Nicene Creed led by Constantine. We've looked at the letters of John which have truly identified the character and attributes of the Antichrist. We saw the reformation of the Protestants which led to the corrupt interpretation of the 70-week prophecy of Daniel chapter 9, fabricated by Ribera, which has consequently been accepted as fact by the Catholic Church and taught to their congregation. The true Antichrist is not a future Antichrist, but put forward by the Catholic Church. This is all a delusion. The true Antichrist is on earth today, it is the religious systems and their congregations that believe that Jesus did not come in the flesh at the time of his first ministry. And finally, may we all vow to seek ye first the kingdom of God. I pray that each of us will see the delusion that has come to the churches, reject it, and reject the teachings of the churches. Sadly, those that follow the teaching of the churches have no hope of the kingdom of God. May we all seek the true message of God's word, uh, holy word inspired, that we put, each put on Christ through baptism and await that wonderful time when the Lord Jesus will return to establish on earth and establish his throne in Jerusalem and rule in peace and righteousness. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.